Hello, and welcome back to Articulate. I'm your friendly neighborhood, Steve McJones, here to present a very, uh, 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 such a special episode. It's it's so good, because not only are we bringing you another Donnie Darko episode, I, I'm bringing you another Lucas Stengel episode, which, which is just, uh, it's just a combination for the books. And the thing about this one is, We've been trying, personally, I've been trying to do a Donnie Darko movie review type episode since I first started the podcast. In the original few, I don't even know if I mentioned it at all, but I was going to do like a media of the month type of thing where I review like an album or a movie or something because I'm very involved in that world. At least I'd like to think so. (laughs) I started the podcast in like September and in October, I wanted to do a Donnie Darko episode, and I don't know, it just never felt right, I guess, or never never worked out, but I'm kind of glad, because I finally got to do it with Lucas. Lucas and I actually recorded uh, a few, <laughs> it took a few tries to get this one down. Uh, we recorded one before, in a, you know, pre-pandemic, way back in the day, and we recorded it outside, and it all got kind of messed up. And then we tried to record again recently, and then the first time my computer was being a B, and it was a whole thing. But we finally got it out, and all the work was was way worth it. Because, you know, Donnie Darko, is, it's, not a, it's not like a joke. It's not like a gag movie that you do, like, a fun review for. It's, it's a real, you know, it's a real movie, and it's good. And, and the whole point of this episode, I think, is um, it's a review, a little bit of an explanation, and people, you know, my people like my dad or some people who are normies. Uh, I hate that term, by the way. It's a joke. I'm not for real saying the word normies. By the way, just if you were wondering. Uh, but for people who don't understand why I like it so much, this episode is jam-packed with all the reasons why it's one of my favorite pieces of art that I've ever experienced. So I hope you can see where we're coming from and at least appreciate the movie a little bit more after listening to this. All right. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. <laughs> Is that Ed Darko's son? <laughs> I guess he was sleep golfing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, so I believe we started it off with uh, last time we watched it, October, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for both of those. Mm-hmm. And... Donnie Darko, basically, this is gonna, we're gonna talk all about Donnie Darko, all right? We're gonna talk about it. <laughs> but then weave it into. into <laughs> weave it in some other subjects yeah. here, yeah. But Donnie Darko is a very special movie to Lucas and I because it basically built our uh, backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you, when was the first time you listened to it? Or uh, watched it? I think it was at your house, really? in your basement. It was the theatrical. Was scary. Huh? Your basement was scary. There were lots of huge fucking spiders down there. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it was in the basement of your house, and it was the theatrical cut. And then immediately we kind of got into Well, I heard about it before, even before then, because somebody described it to me. Yeah, <laughs> as, as the They were like, yeah, there's, like, this crazy six-foot-tall bunny rabbit. It's a whole thing. Six-foot-tall And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's, it's you're, I'm like, is it animated? Is it funny? And they're like, well, kind of funny. And there's it, funny parts. There's <laughs> Comedy ensues, okay? Comedy ensues, basically. When was the first time you watched it? Was it that time? I think I w- I'd watched it before. Probably with I- your brother. My brother told me about it, but it, like, went way over my head when he, he told me about it. You know, as, as shit your brother shows you does. Yeah. But then you come back to it on your own, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. This is actually pretty good. And yeah. it, uh, the same, like, once, you know, the theatrical cut is fine. It's a, a, a <laughs> solid movie for what it is. Mm-hmm. But you get the director's cut, and there's, Ooh. like, 
20 more minutes of, of like actual good not just like you know shit they like had to cut mm-hmm. like stuff that should have been left in like yeah there's a, well i mean the, what the director intended for people exactly. to, to know yeah. through the movie because but then you get stuff like from the book that's like included if you you know you buy it like there's there's like a book in the you know, the philosophy of time travel in the movie mm-hmm. that's like kind of like important to understand like they, and they talk about it in the theatrical cut right but, but they but they don't un- like explain what yeah. is in the book at all yeah and and that's what uh, a lot of grievances uh, i've heard people have with the theatrical well with the movie because they don't know that there's a director right, cut. Exactly. They're like, well they have this book that seems to be really important but you have no idea what's going on in the book at all <laughs> yeah, and you're right. just like damn but yeah so when you did, before we really connected to it when we were teenagers because we didn't even really know what it was about and when people ask us what it was about back in the day you're like well i mean like six foot tall bunny rabbit saves a kid and he has to like figure his shit out basically yeah it's it's always like wait you haven't seen donnie darko and they're like no tell me about it and it's like you don't have, there's no go to. it's just like well you should watch it actually but only the director's cut but only <laughs> and like well i'm not gonna do that, I'm not gonna so. do that. <laughs> what i used to do was be like i would just I, I would be like, watch it, and they'd be like, oh, all right, and I'd be like, no, you're not going to watch it, but I'm going to send you a link. I'm going to say, because that just makes it easy for them. Oh, yeah. And then, because I was super into illegally watching movies back in the day, too. Oh, yeah. Definitely more into it now, personally. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you... <laughs> then, especially, too. I used to illegally download movies. I still do, but I used to, too. But now, we, as... You know, like you said before, as we're done with our uh, teen years, we can kind of reflect on it a little bit more and understand a little bit more what it's about. Um, And so the basis of it was what you said. It was a kid, Donnie, you know, figuring out his identity, basically, um, through uh, a really tough process, which kind of sucks for him. But what happens is, you know, you're established that Donnie sleepwalks and then uh, he sleepwalks one night because he's called from by the six foot tall bunny rabbit frank come, come wake up that's what it says come, come. like the neil degrasse tyson uh, in cosmos <laughs> come with me but or no i like the <laughs> the instagram meme where like, yeah the, <laughs> like the the girl with like you like leading her boyfriend over and like, he's <laughs> it's it's from like the first person perspective. Yeah, but, but it's it, frankly Tony's it's a six foot tall bunny rabbit and a young Jake Gyllenhaal, a spry, Jake. a spry young Jake Gyllenhaal. But yeah, and so yeah, he gets out of bed, and this bunny rabbit's like twenty eight days, six, six hours, hours forty two minutes and twelve seconds until that is when the world will end. You know, he's like what? Is when the world will end. Right, and so. Yeah, and then comedy ensues. <laughs> Chaos and comedy. There's some character acting. Yeah. It's a joy. But a Jenjin... Uh, a Jenjin... Uh, a Jenjin... <laughs> a uh, falls through Donnie's house into his room where he should have been, basically. So Frank yeah. saved his life. And what the jet engine is, technically, what we learned throughout the philosophy of Is a metaphor travel. for 9-11. Of course. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing with this movie, is it came out the same week as 9-11, apparently. Yeah. Um, October, maybe? So, like, the, the month, <laughs> the year of 9-11. It came out the year of 9-11, which was terrible for the sales. Which which was n- no good at all. Yeah, right. 9-11 really took a hit on a, a lot of economics, you know? Yeah, especially the, the Donnie Darko franchise. 
Uh, <laughs> it's like those, and that's why Estarco failed so so severely. It's like the inverse inverted graphs. There's like the military industrial complex, and then Donnie Darko, <laughs> and they meet in the middle on that on that fateful day. On that fateful day, uh, back in two thousand one, and nine eleven isn't funny, but but Donnie what Darko in relation to nine eleven is a little <laughs> funny, <laughs> and that's kind of why it's become a cult following. I think it would have been a lot bigger. Uh, if not for that, probably. Yeah, but again, as we we mentioned, there's a lot left out, like so in the theatrical cut. Yeah, so it's like, you know, you don't get the director's cut till at least like five years later, I think. Really? I mean, I, I just made that up, but I'm pretty. It's not yeah, like yeah, I can the, see it because like if a movie fails at the box office, it's not like nobody's like rushing to get out another cut of it. You know? <laughs> yeah. most of the time. I'll look that up, but I feel like it's got to be like a deluxe version of an album where it's like the next year, you oh, know, fair. like within the next year, just because That's like, fair. well, it's just out there. You yeah, don't want you people to forget it. Yeah, it. capitalize, for sure. Whatever following there was, mm-hmm. it's like, well, fuck, we, <laughs> we put a lot of money into it. Yeah, yeah. The theatrical cut of Donnie Darko was actually released October 26, 2001, while the director's cut was released three years later, May 29th, 2004. But yeah, and so basically the jet engine that falls through his room is an artifact, which is what we learned from the philosophy of time travel, and it has created a tangent universe. Donnie basically is the sole, I forget what they're called, the living receiver, but he's the guy that has to get everybody back into the primary universe. Yeah. And that kind of sucks for him. Yeah, yeah he becomes like... I don't know how, it's like about the midpoint you uh, kind of realize he's like going to be the, the martyr. The savior. Yeah, to save the universe. Like there's going to need to be, somebody's got to die here. Yeah. yeah. What, how, where did you, how did you come to that conclusion? Well, it's just like, he's, I feel like he's kind of working it out and it, like he's getting really, he's like figuring out, he's reading the oh, book, Oh, you're right? right. So he realizes in the midpoint that, yeah, and, and he, but he hasn't completely decided whether he's going to do it Exactly. Yet but like to me, when he's talking to his, uh his teacher mm-hmm. and the guy's like explaining how time travel works and he's like he's reading this book independently too so he's like putting this together in his head he's got like the slinky over his shoulder yeah. <laughs> he's like well fuck <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I think that's what we were talking about before the recording shitted out on us was uh, a little bit about how Donnie is a troubled teen right so we are prefaced that he goes to therapy. Do you know, can you do the quote again? The quote. Oh, he's like, well, why, why don't you take the goddamn pills? Then mom and dad can pay <laughs> pay somebody $40 an hour to, to listen to all, all your problems. Yeah, I think that's it. That's it. Uh, right off the bat. And so, and and I want to go over the Gretchen scene again right off. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I got because, you. like, that's one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. It's just, like, gives more character to, to Donnie and, uh, again, how he's messed up. So, yeah. he, so there's a, well, I feel like you got to preface it with, like, the first class. You know, like they're oh, they're yeah. reading a book, and the door opens, and some girl's like, uh, "I'm supposed to be in this class." Yeah. And fucking uh, Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> and just like, she's like, "Where should I sit?" And she's like, "Uh, sit next to the boy you think is the cutest." Oh. And it's like, and all the girls are like, mm. yeah, and she's like, "Quiet, quiet." You're right. And then she like doesn't, you know, she's like a shy, timid girl. She like just well, any girl in that situation, true. I would hope, wouldn't just be like, "Oh, this fucking guy yeah, right here." This book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> We're gonna yeah. But she like kinda looks at Donnie, makes eye contact. Yeah, and gives like a little glance and then looks up at Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. And uh and she it's just like I don't know, there's there's obviously like some tension between them, you know? Right. Yeah, they and, look at each other and Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And so she's the new girl and Donnie you, we already know kinda has problems. Um and he just went through this whole jet jet engine fiasco. Oh yeah. 
And so they, the next day or a couple, you know, in yeah, the like future, after, after that, well, he, well, it's before class because the class, school is canceled, right? So school gets canceled because he breaks the pipes, but we don't know that, know that True. quite yet. But he breaks the pipes and he has to, he sees Gretchen is waiting. He's walking home and he sees Gretchen is waiting at the bus stop. And he's like, hey, school is canceled. And she is like the, with the bullies at the same bus stop, yeah. which is really unfortunate for her. I wonder if she has to encounter them every morning. <laughs> that sucks. Every and he's like, Seth Rogen's like, I like your boobs. <laughs> 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 and she's like, hey, can, you want to walk me home? And he's like, yeah, for sure. And... Yeah, this is just a really great scene because he starts walking. She's like, he's like, yeah, I'm Donnie Darko. And she's like, what is that? Some kind of superhero name or something? And she's like, what well, makes you think I'm not? And uh, It really does sound like a superhero. It does. Def- but it also could very well be in, like a person's name too. Yeah. You know? But like Donnie Darko from Middlesex. Yeah. It's like some indescript uh, yeah. <laughs> city in, in America. Right. In Colorado possibly? Possibly. Uh, <laughs> that actually would make sense with like the huge hills yeah the mountains he, yeah. I mean he's up on that hill and uh, I think it is Colorado but I'm not for sure but yeah and then he, you know, she she's like yeah we had to move here and I had to change my name because my dad has emotional problems he's like oh I have those too I, yeah that's <laughs> awesome so excited yeah. about it <laughs> and uh, yeah and then she talks about how she has to do this project uh, about the greatest invention ever and he's like well it's oh that's easy it's antibacterial um, whatever yeah, and she's like, what? Soap. It's one of the greatest inventions in the world. It's easy. Yeah, he's like, what? That's not even a quite... Like, he just has this already. And we didn't even mention this. How he's just like, hey, so do you want to go with me? Yeah, she's like, what? where do you want to go? <laughs> she's like, she has no clue what he means. And he's like, no, like, that's what people say here. Like, you want to go with me? Oh, yeah. He's like, she's like... Oh, yeah, sure. Like, right. she can, yeah, yeah, Now she's the one that is, that's excited. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, he's like, okay, cool. She's like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go now? And he's like, oh, oh, sweet. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, he kind of, throughout the movie, figures out, you know, why he he has to be the savior. First of all, why, and then why he wants to do it, as opposed to just being forced into, it, into the path. But I did want to go back to Drew Barrymore, uh, because, we, you know, we bring it all back, bring it all back to, to Drew, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> bring it back to Drew. Yeah, she, in, in the... She was actually the driving factor to get this movie made, if you recall. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Uh, I read the book on it or something, and she, you know, it was a good script, right? It, but it wasn't, you know, it, there was, it took a lot of pushing to get the script made because of probably the confusion surrounding plot and whatnot. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, I don't think 80s nostalgia had been capitalized anywhere near like it, it is today. You know, you got like Stranger uh, Things was like a whole thing. You're right. And so it's like to go back to the 80s in 2000, 2000, 2001, it's like, why? I didn't like, even think about that. that. And yeah. then, but like th- this guy, this guy knew Richard Kelly. Richard Kelly, the vomiteer. Uh. <laughs> That's his nickname. Like, bro, remember Richard Kelly back in high school? The fucking vomit. You know, you mean the, I remember, I remember the vomit. Uh, Richard Kelly's first film before Donnie Darko uh, in college was this project called The Vomiteer about a guy who just couldn't stop throwing up. That's what made me think of Lynch because uh, Lynch actually made this short film before he was like super popular where it's called like Six People Getting Sick and it's Ooh. literally just like one eight, like one head pops up on the screen and it starts like spinning around and throwing up mm. and it does that for like a minute and then another one pops up and then both of them are going <laughs> and it, it goes it does that six times. That's the whole film? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's about six minutes. It's about one, one minute for each sick person. Yeah. Uh, well, not sick person, sick head, I yeah. suppose. Um, so Drew Barrymore found the script, and she was really the driving agent. And, yeah, like, getting, funded it. And it I did, she, it, I could see it, if I, think, I recall. I think that's really I think that's definitely part of it. Um, that was one of the big things to get the movie made. I mean, that's always one of the bigger things, getting movies made, is to get the funding. Um, well, and that's the thing. Like, that, the movie has a lot of big names, mm-hmm. but a lot of those names were made, n- maybe not made by Donnie Darko, but, True. like, Ashley Tisdale, nobody remembers her for Donnie Darko. Yeah, but, but she was in it. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, the beginning of her career, as far as I know, and the same with, like, right. so Even Seth, Seth, Rogen, Seth Rogen. That was before Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, exactly. It was, um, like, his literal first role. Jake Gyllenhaal, even. What did he have before Maggie Gyllenhaal? You're right, man. Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal was like a child actor. But Patrick like, Swayze, what did he have before well, that? <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Swayze, though, and Drew Barrymore are like the two that it's like, oh, fuck, you got them. Yeah, definitely. Right. So, yeah, it was, I mean, good for Drew Barrymore. She got it done. But her character is also uh, a crucial character, like we were talking about. How, oh, yeah. well, I mean, to us, even, what was Drew Barrymore before that? The 51st Dates girl? The E.T. girl? The you didn't E.T. even know this until I mentioned him. Right. Right? And uh, the girl who showed Johnny Carson her, her tits on Johnny oh, Carson? yeah. Uh, but you don't see him. I, gotta, but, I, I need to go back and do some research. Do some, yeah, just do some <laughs> for science, right? Um, but, yeah, so it, it, she becomes this, this teacher um, who is a really... I mean, she's a, the classic English teacher who actually, like... Wants children to, to learn to yeah, think. Cares. Yeah, she calls out a girl. She's like, uh, Jody, if you'd have actually read uh, the 13-page short story, which would have, at a, or what was it, at a, at, whopping, at a whopping 13 pages, would have kept, kept you up all night. night. Yeah. <laughs> calls her up. Then you would realize this and that. Um, and so we actually had a teacher our sophomore Yeah, year. together. We were in this <clears throat> in this class together. And it With was Drew English. Barrymore. And, and our teacher was practically Drew Barrymore. Like, Basically. I, I was just, I was joking about it. But again, like, I don't see how, like, I feel like she, our teacher had to have seen that movie and was like, that's how you play an English teacher. Yeah. Like, an engaged English teacher. And she just, like, took it on as, like, a character role. Mm-hmm. It's like a synecdoche in New York. Yeah. She's like, I am Drew Barrymore. She became, <laughs> yeah. I am become Drew Barrymore. Yeah, and at that point, I mean, yeah, and so in the movie, she's also one of the manipulated living. So she's helping Donnie. She, like, wants to be uh, somebody who helps him get to his fate that he's supposed to do um, and travel within God's channel, basically, Uh, which is why, you know, she's really amazing in the movie. So Drew Barrymore is the manipulated living in the movie, which, again, you have to learn through the director's cut. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, which is why... A lot of people get so confused about everything, and I feel bad. I mean, I still was confused after the director's cut, but I've also, at this point, probably seen it the movie at least, like, 25 times. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you have, but I've gone, like, online, and there's, like, a whole website yeah. that was made back in the 2000s, so mm-hmm. it has that, like, aesthetic to it. You're but, right. Like, there's all the facts, basically, and if you just spend, like, you know, an hour reading that, it's, like, it, it's like a whole other movie. Like, it, it just puts all this stuff into context that yeah. the movie doesn't. Yeah. Even a director's cut, so it's like you have to watch the the theatrical cut, have enough interest in it to want to watch it the again at some point, yeah. and like then have enough interest to like actually invest time in finding this like director's yeah. cut, and then on top of that, do some like outside research. Outside research, but like you said, each time it does become a different movie because yeah. it's like what we were saying before. When you explain it to somebody on the surface, they're like, "What's it about?" And you're like, "Well, it's about a bunny who saves a guy." <laughs> yeah. And then he kind of fucks up a school in a way, uh, and then he destroys the world and then dies, basically. Damn. That's actually wild, dude. What if the school is, like, a metaphor for, like, 
regular society and like how you're you go through school and you're like compartmentalized into like this one role of being mm-hmm. a student and like one way to learn and one way to think damn and then like he's the only one that's different yeah and like his parents recognize it yeah they're just like donnie if, if they tell you if they say so, that you're weird you know what you tell them <laughs> fuck you fuck you <laughs> James, um, like Jeff Dunham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made me think of a Jeff Dunham character. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, that's a definitely a, one way to see it because, yeah, he is different and he's not accepted by anybody pretty much at the school besides Gretchen, yeah. who also is a little different in her situation. Yeah. Um, but that kind of goes with the, what I was saying earlier about how the lenses, you can just look at this movie through so many lenses and one, like just right off the bat, like a classic lens to look at a movie through is the feminist lens. And yeah, yeah Jake Gyllenhaal is the typical, uh, you know, he's the the main character, like, he's a dude, but throughout it, uh, his therapist is a woman who helps him solve a lot of his problems, uh, his mom is a, a very strong, powerful woman, uh, Drew Barrymore, which we, we covered, uh, quite uh, a bit, yeah, <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal, who just got into Harvard, even his really? younger sister, uh, Sparkle Motion, yeah, it's dancing, but, I mean, she's a kid, she's allowed to be dancing, and yeah. she is really good at it, she yeah. got to, like, a, a thing beyond that. I don't know if it, because that scene is, like, in slow, actually, all the scenes you see him dance are in slow motion, yeah, there's the school one, and then the, like, main one that gets him to the, oh, yeah. the contest, but they're actually, like, just really like i don't know choreography at all but they seem like they're very well uh choreographed yeah for like a school well i mean they got a movie team behind the choreography directing it but no they yeah i think samantha's definitely the worst one of the dancers but she's donnie's sister so what are you gonna do we'll have a whole nother episode on on, uh (laughs) analyzing the dances yeah yeah um we should get to the music at some point eventually too but uh i do want to again off of that Drew Barrymore being one of those important um, figures within his life and and how she affects him and being the manipulated living, uh, she writes on... She gets uh, fired. You're right. I and think it's worth mentioning. Yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, it's sad that she got fired. But, I mean, again, through the feminist lens, it's like, wow, she got fired for actually being a good teacher. Yeah, it was trying to, like, engage the, the students with, like... Uh, I don't know, banned books. Or mm-hmm. And that kind of goes along with what you're saying about this, the classic school mentality. Yeah. Um, classic society, just yeah. like learn one way, basically. Yeah, so she, on her last day, she gets, she, like Donnie comes in. Yeah, while well, she, she's cleaning out her desk. Yeah, and, and she has written on the board, cellar door. And while it's not explained why she wrote it up there, she wrote it up there to just leave the, I probably just to leave the students with a, a last parting gift. Yeah, I guess. Damn. With the most beautiful phrase in all of English uh, literature, I guess. I think that's what it's described as. And it's not quoted by anybody, but that's what the quote is, that cellar door is the most beautiful. And we kind of talked about that a little bit, how the double L's, like like you said. Yeah, the two double letters look nice to get, like, L and O. Yeah, the double, yeah, with her calligraphy, with Drew Barrymore's calligraphy. (laughs) And just her face in the same shot, like, (laughs) cellar door. Um, But, I mean, the idea of a cellar door, too, like, in the fall, you look down, like, a little stairs and kind of. Oh, yeah. um, The nostalgia, too, just, like, in those two words. Cellar door, I, I mean, I feel like I connect cellar door with my grandparents for some reason too. It's yeah. probably like an older thing. Maybe. Yeah, well, that's. I feel like it's like nobody calls it a cellar anymore. You're right. So it's just like the oh, nostalgia you mean the basement? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did you mean a basement? Yeah. The fucker. 
No, but, but then it, it ends up foreshadowing like the location of the Dosex Machina at the end. Right. So what to so at the end of the movie again, Donnie still doesn't know what his fate is. Like, well, he knows what his fate is, but he doesn't know how it's going to play out at all, basically. Right. And I mean, he can see where the spheres go in the immediate future, um, but he it starts kicking in when things start ramping up towards the climax of the movie. Uh, they're just at this party, and he just has made love with Gretchen. Damn, uh, the assumedly. climax is his climax. You're right. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, he uh, he's at the party, and then out of nowhere, he gets that sickness look on his face that comes only when pretty much he's just talking to Frank or under the trance in Dr. Thurman's office. Yeah. And he the camera just does like a 360 around him and you realize that something's going on and he kind of falls to his knees because he just feels that wave of like nausea over him and that's probably the manipulated uh dead affecting him but what happens is he gets on his knees and starts to see you think they're visions and it's um at least in the director's cut you see this video game he was playing before of like a car like like flipping over and you kind of see something and then gretchen you realize after he gets out of the vision that he's looking into Gretchen's future. He's looking into her sphere. And so he stands up and he's like, come on, we got to go. And he does the uh, Instagram meme yeah, thing yeah. where he pulls Gretchen. <laughs> come on, let's go on an <laughs> and adventure. And Hulk Hogan, his friends, just come with him. Yeah, the Hulk Hogan has friends for no reason, really. Yeah, I feel like they, they could have left him alone, you know, like. They didn't help, that's for sure. They were kind of the Donnie, what are you doing? Donnie, come on. Come on, Donnie. I just want to get out of here. <laughs> I brought four, four beers. I <laughs> stole from my dad. Yeah, well, keg beers for pussies. Uh, but, yeah, so they, so that's basically, I think that's when he, he realizes his fate is imminent at that point. Yeah. The time is coming up, the 28 days is ending, and the only really real clue he has is from manipulated living which he has read about already he's read mm-hmm. about the manipulated living living and probably assumes that the drew barrymore character is part of that and so he's like cellar door and he so they they go to well and it's roberta sparrow's house which he's been around a couple of times which again you know we have to talk about roberta sparrow a little bit grandma death that's that's a horrible name mm-hmm. i've heard she's loaded <laughs> that's, she she like defends her at first, but then she's like, I've heard she's loaded. Uh-huh. She's like drunk. Yeah, I was gonna say like, she's definitely loaded. <laughs> the mom. You're right. Yeah. So it's at a dinner table scene where they're talking, where Donnie is talking about the book of uh, time travel, the philosophy book of, of time Mormon, travel. of course, the, the book of Mormons, right? <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, it's written by uh, Roberta Sparrow, and the dad's like, oh, Grandma Death, uh, and he's just like, yeah, this was kind of earlier in the movie, and. She's like, yeah, a lot of kids used to try to break in up there because she's loaded. Yeah, which I, I didn't even remember until you pointed it out. Like, yeah. there's like the whole, like, he mentions that people try to rob her. Mm-hmm. Like, when he was a kid. Like try to dad. Robert to Robert. spare <laughs> Robert. Robert. Hardly know her. <laughs> Robert. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> But she, but so, I mean, and she's also the one who wrote the book. So Donnie is already connected to her because they are both the hero in in their own situations, which is interesting. I heard that, I didn't hear, but somebody was like, they should make a movie with like a prequel about Roberta Sparrow, which would be tight. That would be tight. Yeah. Uh, Much better than S. Yeah, much, much better. If I had to guess. Yeah. But But that only failed because of 9-11, if you recall correctly. If you, if you bring it all back to the board, you'll see (laughs) that we made connections early. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, so he's like, all right, we got to go to Roberta Sparrow's house where the cellar door is. And yeah. they go through the cellar door and down there, they don't know what they're looking for still. But they find out down there, they find the, the two bullies who had broken in to steal some shit from them. And this is where Donnie comes across the realizations, I think. Like, this is where the shit happens. This is like the actual climax, right? So they're out there. He's holding a knife to him. And, Donnie, come on, we got to get out of here. And he's like, stay back, you know? And then... Um, that's when Gretchen gets hit by the car, right. and it's Frank who is manipulated dead, who Donnie then realizes he has to kill Frank right then and there, right? Yeah. He also, so he realizes that he has to kill Frank, and why he has to kill Frank. He realizes that Gretchen dies because now he feels like he loved until a point, and he has lost to a point, and realized that's what life is about, right? Yeah. And then... You know, and then he realizes that, well, this timeline is fucked. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he also, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to justify once a guy, you know, kills you. Your boo thing. Like, your boo thing. What else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he realizes he accepts his fate, the, that the whole point of the movie is that he has to be the savior, the messiah, the, yeah, the, the, the Brian of it all. The Brian. The Brian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the life of Brian of it Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got yeah. yeah. But he, he has to die so that this world can, can live on. And, I mean, I think that's... Uh, a big part of life just in general that's i mean so this movie is about finding your identity which is what yeah. kind of bringing it back to it what donnie has to figure out who he is and then what he does in the world and i think i actually talked about this with stephen barrett on one of our early early episodes about how it's crazy how it all happens at once because we were like figuring out who we were right and dude. then at the same time you have to figure out your role in life basically yeah. and what you want to do from there yeah and that's like i don't know it's like that's a lot of like what your teen years are is like finding your identity but then towards the end or you know maybe even into your 20s you realize like your identity is kind of going to shift over over time like oh. you're gonna have the colonel that is you yeah but the, the you know the the donnie of it all the donnie of it and uh and you're just gonna evolve over time like you're gonna transform mm -hmm. and i don't know i feel like that's that's an like transformation is like one theme i see in it and then like identity is another yeah but they definitely they're definitely related yeah I, definitely i can see it and which is scary because part of accepting that is accepting death, but also that you're going to love somebody who's going to die or that you're going to break up with. Right. Um, yeah. And part of that transformation is like it, it ends in death for like everybody. Yeah. You know, everyone that, that's ever tried it. For that's ever tried. There's a test that was, was a, death is the ultimate test for your ass, ain't it? Yeah. We are, we are gathered here today. Celebrate the dearly departed. That's a Richard Pryor quote, by the way. Look it up sometime. I don't. It's called eulogy, possibly. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. On streaming services now. <laughs> In other words, free save. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, I think that might be one of the reasons why we connected with it so much is because we. I mean, even as a. Personally, up until this point in my life, I've always looked forward to being older. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you. It's like, I, dude, I don't want to be a high schooler kid. And then, and then you're in high school, and you're you're like, oh, none of this matters. Like you have, like, have you ever looked at the game? I played the board game of life. High school is not on the board it's game. It's not on the game at all. And so in high school, I'm like, shit. well, fuck this shit. <laughs> and then you get to college, and you're like, oh. So this is what life is, but I don't want to be here. <laughs> like I don't like this shit either. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't like any of this. I don't like any. Take it down. Yeah, I just take it down. And then watching the movie as a kid, realizing those steps in this stages that he went through is kind of like wow. He 
kind of is realizing yeah. some of these things. He's doing shit. Well, and that's the thing. We've talked about it a few times, I'm sure. But, like, you know, it's hard to gauge whether or not um, we would like this movie as much as we do if we hadn't seen it when we were, like, 13, 14. Like, True. those formative years. Definitely. Because it's just, like... It's, it's really tough to get in that headspace ever again of being a teenager. You're right. You know? And that's, I mean, so many adults forget that. And they're just yeah. like, well, why don't you just get your shit together? And it's like, well, I'm a child. Yeah, like a literal child. <laughs> and it's it's just like you, and it's the same shit that's like going on with Donnie. It's like you see this world around you and it doesn't really make sense like with how you think reality should be or how you like have been taught even mm-hmm. reality is. But then you just have to like embrace it like you have to engage yourself with it in whatever way you can yeah you know yeah and and that's i mean coping and that's acceptance and love is one of those things exactly politics and violence what do you do you just fall in love Uh, and then death like is a part of it yeah Um, it it shouldn't be when you're like a teenager but some you know sometimes sometimes it is is, unfortunately but yeah so i mean that's you're right like showing it to people now is real hard but that's the thing though like it See, I don't show it to anybody unless I really like them. Like, exactly. Listen, unless I really like them because it's going to, first of all, if we're close friends, you're going to see this. I'm going to talk about this movie quite a bit. You're going to mm-hmm. need to get the references. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, that's a, we, we've just been talking for like, you know, a little bit of time now. And we've like, I feel like we've like quoted half the movie already. You're right. And it's just like, they just come so naturally. Yeah. I'll, you just know them. Right. Along with, I think you should leave a couple of times. Oh, <laughs> for sure. It's a little tough to get all Random. <laughs> no, but like, but Donnie's just like nothing. He like doesn't matter in the end. Drew Barrymore, Jake Gyllenhaal. These I... names I know better than my own grandmother's. <laughs> Uh, homegrown, homegrown, Simpsons homegrown shit. Seth Rogen's shit. Yeah, yeah, I don't need That's that. It's worse than The Simpsons. Much worse. Um, but yeah, you just layer these quotes in and everything, and I, I, I think they're really important. And if you can get into the movie, it's really yeah. it can be something that hits really hard. Oh um, yeah, for for you. Yeah, no, it was formative to. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's just formative to like my life you know very yeah very much so and like i said i rewatched it again this year and, and i was like damn no this is still holds yeah. up like it's a good movie there's the uh the love and death oh yeah whole scene. all life can't be simplified into love and death yeah. or no no it's love and fear you're right and and honestly as i grow up a little bit it becomes clear that emotions do tend to all kind of spiral back to love and fear but i think the point richard kelly was making is that First of all, kids don't see it as that. Like, you can't just, just be like go up to a kid and be like, oh, no, you're acting this way out of fear. And, and then have them be able to just understand that, yeah. you know, you're acting out, you're rebelling because you're afraid. Yeah. And, and it's just not that simple. Well, kids just have like, and I don't know if it's like true across the board, but I feel like kids do have like a higher emotional intelligence mm-hmm. in the fact that like when we have emotions, we try to like name them like adults, I'm saying like. Uh, when we have emotions, we try to name them or justify them. Right. Whereas and if you ask a kid, like, why they did something or why they, they acted <laughs> that way, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, and, you're and they're like, happy well, with that answer? But well, why did you do this? And I'm like, I don't know that one either. Yeah. And it's like, uh, all right. <laughs> and it's like, you think about it, you're like, you, yeah, it's like, you're not satisfied with that answer at all if you're the one asking the question. Yeah. But then you think about it a minute and it's like, I prefer that than being lied to. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, that's true. They don't, and yeah, and and that's what's kind of 
shitty about growing up is like actually realizing where these things come from yeah. and you're like oh well that's kind of shitty we're like yeah. oh that comes from my parents good now i have to accept that my yeah parents fucked me up but that goes back to what i was saying about like how you um like donnie's trying to like find himself in this world that doesn't make sense to him and that's like the same with kids it's like you as a kid you're like you don't want to you know name these emotions because you don't have like the right words for it or you don't want to justify them mm-hmm. or you you know justify your actions by your emotions either, either way <laughs> right. um but then you're like growing up and like the world like the world around you is doing that mm-hmm. and like it's you know collecting like all the all this stuff like the human the human condition all into like love and fear and it like just doesn't make sense yeah and, and you have to like figure out why it makes sense yeah. i guess you just have to like consolidate the facts of your brain and in reality, and it's, it's usually not fun, you know? It's really, yeah. <laughs> All while you're just getting, like, bombarded with hormones, just like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. The time. You know what is fun? The soundtrack for this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which was also formative to me. Yeah, very much so. And I think that's what you were saying about, like, the 80s uh, originally when we were yeah. talking about it. Um, how, you know, it's these songs from the 80s. So basically a lot of the bands, Tears for Fear, INX, S... Uh, yeah, in excess. Um, um, Echo and the Bunnymen. Echo and the another Bunnymen. One. Yeah. Killing Time, dude. You yeah. hear that, like, open up on the uh, the director's cut. It's, like, the opening song. Well, right? that's for the theatrical cut. Oh, is it? Yeah. but and oh. Which is crazy that the two movies have different soundtracks. You're just right. right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, the the opening is... Um, the t- in excess. In excess. Which the, what's the song? Never... Never Tear, tear Us Apart. Yeah. Yeah, just a basin. Oh, so good. And then the sax. I don't think they have the sax solo in it, but but if you look into the song, into the soundtrack at all, then you're going to find the sax uh-huh. solo. Uh, yeah. But also, I wrote an entire essay about how all the music is directly correlated to what happens in the movie. Like, there are yeah. literal quotes that are like, that's almost a little too much like the movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but I know, like, Head Over Heels, the mm-hmm. Tears for Fears song, where it's like, it's a, um, not a montage, but, like, I think it's, like, a single shot, right? All through, like, the school. Yeah. And, you, like, you, you're introduced to all the school characters. Right. The, like, the song's playing over. And, like, it's just insane. Like, it open like, the bus stops in front of the school. It's, like, upside down, yeah. I think, right? And the, the back, they come out the back door. Oh, because right, they're badass. Yeah, they're badasses. Like, they're the older kids. And so, like, right when they step on the ground is, like, the opening beat. It's like, dun, 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 Time flies. Yeah. It just, like, goes into it. Into the, yeah, the school bell rings and it, like, fades out at the end. Yeah. I actually have that essay, I believe, posted on my website under the, it's just Donnie Darko review. I think you go back far enough you can find it um or you could probably search it somehow like articulate donnie darko review possibly but that's my be what this episode is called (laughs) i should go back and read that actually yeah do you uh, yeah it it also just like i don't know the music like really helped me like realize there is because like at 13 14 you just listen to whatever's on the or i did at least whatever is on the radio you find like songs through guitar hero maybe yeah. But even that's like very yeah. limited, you know? No, my phone back in the day was like Fireflies yeah. and like Dynamite. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, not good. That's no. for sure. But like, you know, Donnie Darko just made me realize there's like good music from every era. Yeah. Like no matter. That it, are kind of hidden gems too. Yeah. Because. It, exactly. Like Tears for Fears in excess, they were like popular, but they were also like the alternative bands of the 80s. And, right. And as far as I know. So like it kind of makes. Well, before recently, before like the Stranger Things era, even like Toto 
what kind of was kind of drifting off into the distance yeah. and then somebody somebody brought back africa whoever i think that it's was. uh i think it's rivers cuomo <laughs> rivers cuomo actually brought back africa <laughs> um but there's songs just in every single era that just are going to be forgotten because they weren't the number one hit at the time right. which is annoying because the number one hits of our time are not songs that i want to remember in the future right. well yeah but even like tears for fears like tears for, like they that album's like super big it has like um everybody wants to rule the world on it oh and really yeah it has like there's another one that's really popular mm-hmm. um, but then so it's like those songs have lasted like we we've heard that in our childhood you know mm-hmm. but then like head over heels i had never heard until donnie darko yeah and like nobody references except <laughs> in reference to donnie darko you're right it's like <laughs> yeah. such a good song if you, yeah on its own if you just get into it, it i mean yeah it definitely they mix like guitars they mix piano but like you said like, it was almost like a the start of alternative music yeah. in a way yeah, um, in a, in probably not, but like in some way. <laughs> yeah, as far as like I know it, and like you know, I'm not like an expert on alternative music, but this movie definitely made me go down a path where that's primarily what I listen to. Like, right, it's not much else. Yeah, uh, and then in turn, I stole from your music taste, and then I formed. My own. <laughs> <laughs> Don, Donnie Darko is the kernel of it all. Right, <laughs> it's the kernel of all things that are. <laughs> but yeah, I I think that's pretty much. I mean, we could go on for days yeah. <laughs> about Donnie Darko. We could reenact the entire movie right now if you wanted to, <laughs> uh, which I already did. If you really? reference uh, <laughs> the script reading yeah. from a couple episodes ago, I, I think it is worth pointing out though that I I feel like Donnie Darko also started this trend of like mul- multiverse movies. Oh right, and that's like, what we it, yeah. yeah like entered it into the pop culture within two. Th- that was in two thousand one. Yeah, and now like that's what we were saying. Like if you try to describe this movie to somebody before, you're like, well, there's a tangent universe, and they're, they're like, oh, it's one of those. Movies. Yeah, but now it's like no, there's a tangent universe, and people are like, oh, like a multiverse, and you're like, well, not necessarily. Yeah, it's like one, it, a tangent but, off of the the multiverse. Right, <laughs> which is really cool. That there's just so many things that this movie did before other movies. Oh, yeah. This movie is the best movie <laughs> of all other movies. I, uh, it's up there. I mean, we we've talked about it, but it, for me, it's just kind of like in my top ten. Like no matter solidly. what. Yeah, like I don't see it getting booted. But like other movies, it's like I'm gonna watch a ton of like it's fluid, you know. Right. Like, what's in the top ten at any point? Sure, I agree. Like Donnie Darko is just like locked in there. Yeah, it's, definitely. When it's just one of the one that you immediately when people are like, "Oh, what's your favorite movie?" and then Donnie Darko is just right off the top, but you don't say it. You, right. We don't. We don't but talk. You don't, yeah, you don't talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like there's a difference between obviously your favorite movie and the best movie that you right. like. But I think Donnie Darko is objectively my favorite. And it, it, there's so much that, like, goes into it and, like, what makes it like that, that it's just, like, it, I, I feel like I don't always do the best job of, like, explaining why it's up there. Mm-hmm. But it is, you know, and, like, you kind of just have to watch it and, like, come to it on your own. I think this whole podcast ev- episode could be a reference when people are like, oh, why is it your favorite? It's because everything that we've just talked about yeah. just now. The music, the actors, the acting, the, the plot. The complexity the, of it. The, yeah, the, the, the relation to, like, a kid that watches it for the first time. Oh. The relation as you grow, like, transform mm-hmm. throughout life. Maggie Gyllenhaal, Drew Barrymore. So, so, such good stuff. <laughs> uh, it's really good. Really good. So, I mean, obviously... If you're listening to this, I hope you have uh, watched the movie already. But, you know, think about it even a little bit more. Like, you know, try to get into it some more. Did you want to, like, promote your blog here at all? Oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, uh, you know, I did the Donnie Darko review on my website. But perhaps, uh, perhaps Lucas has some other interesting things that he 
might want to add. Yeah, I actually started a blog recently that's like um, just kind of reviewing, analyzing like the books I read and What's stuff. What's it called again? Uh, reviewership. Oh, dude, that's such a yeah. good name. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, ju- I just like came up with it kind of yeah. high one night. But... <laughs> reviewership? It just sounds like something you should already know. So right, I mean, it sounds we... like an app. It's like, oh, you don't you don't have reviewership? Oh, yeah, obviously like, I have a reviewership app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you like talk to your friends that do have reviewership. Right. <laughs> no, and... Uh, yeah, I've, so I've been, like, reviewing books for a bit, but I kind of want to get more into, like, analyzing them in, like, a long-form uh, way. So I, I made this blog, and then I'm going to do, like, I've done one movie, There Will Be Blood, so oh, far. yeah. So I'm going to try to mo- mix in more music, like, albums. I listen to albums a lot. So, yeah, definitely. With some of the, but it's also, like, now when I'm on break, it's much easier to to read mm-hmm. than, like, t- take in media, other media, because yeah. I have, like, a ton of time to right. just sit there, but... Uh, I feel like during the school year, it's going to be a lot easier the other way. Right, so like more I'm gonna movies. Be, yeah, more movies, music. more music. Yeah, yeah, and that'll be cool just to have. I mean, and so, I mean, it could be a reference for anybody that's really... I mean, I think based off of Books and Shite, what, what, what it started as, yeah. you do give, you know, it's not a, a biased look at what these projects yeah. are. They're, you you kind of come at it from, yeah, I mean, obviously it's biased because it's you, but you, you take in the facts of what you pull um, from the context of the media and, yeah. like, what it's about, how it's formed, the style, all that sort of stuff. You don't just be like, well, it's kind of shitty because um, they're <laughs> shitty. <laughs> yeah, well, some of them. No, I appreciate that, though. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I try to go for, like, more subject subjectivity but mm-hmm. also like analyze it not just like he, it's like nine out of ten or ten out of ten because like i don't i personally don't read reviews a lot because it kind of just pisses like i don't want this one person's view of like it's like it's good or bad it's like you know polar opposites it's yeah. like there's like it's not fear and love yeah it's like art art is so it can be formative to you it can be like just something you read and like reference and conversation it can be something you take with you for the rest of your life like yeah there's definitely. so many different avenues so yeah and I, I i completely get that and there can be like bad movies that you're allowed to like too like you exactly. can rate like um i like kingsman the movie which yeah. is not a great movie like it's really it's kind of basic and some people don't like it but like for me that's one of my top 10 just because right. i really like it yeah it's just a good movie I just, yeah, it's and just... it's like off the top of your head you might not like know why but you go back and watch it and you're like yo shit this mm-hmm, part mm-hmm. yeah and like there will be blood is like you know a, another like a top 10 for me and it's like i go back and watch that and get something new every time yeah so like i've seen it you know probably 10 times and you put those together and it's just like there's implicit analysis that i've done you know right so yeah. it's just like I'm, I'm trying to get that like out on a, a piece of paper i guess yeah on a piece of on a platform <laughs> yeah, somewhere basically yeah now you have a platform now what you're gonna do with it? <laughs> what you're gonna do yeah <laughs> all right man well i think this was finally i think we got it out oh yeah we finally recorded what we needed to say about it's gonna be a bitch to edit uh, yeah, you know I'll, I'll figure something out <laughs> I, if i can do it a whole entire show well first of all Papa Smurf didn't create Smurfette. Gargamel did. She was sent in as Gargamel's evil spy with the intention of destroying the Smurf village. But the overwhelming goodness of the Smurf way of life transformed her. And as for the whole gangbang scenario, it, it just couldn't happen. Smurfs are asexual. They don't even have reproductive organs under those little white pants. And that's what's so illogical, you know, about being a Smurf. What's the point of living if you don't have a dick? Oh, wait, wait, wait. She goes. She's going back to the box now. We may still have mail.
Mail, 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 mail. Here it is, and this could be it. Oh, no dice, Grandma. No, sorry. Sorry. Someone ought to write that bitch. Hey, you fuck. Shut up.